Thanks for tuning in for Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. This show is all about offering practical, relevant tips for raising children in faith. I'm your host, Amy Iverson. In today's world, we are often surrounded by people who believe and live differently than we do. We want to stand up for what's right, but we should also try to act civilly, not arousing contention. Elder Dallin H. Oaks has said, Followers of Christ should be examples of civility. We should love all people, be good listeners, and show concern for their sincere beliefs. Though we may disagree, we should not be disagreeable. Here to talk with us today about finding that difficult balance is Brother Douglas D. Holmes, first counselor in the Young Men General Presidency. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Amy. He has his MBA from BYU, works as an investor and developer, and is married with six children and seven grandchildren. He served in various capacities in the church, including as a mission president in Detroit, Michigan. And also joining us is Brittany Mills. Brittany received her bachelor's degree in English literature and also served a mission to Washington, D.C., South, right, Mm -hmm. shortly after. She blogs with her husband on their site, Marriage and Family Strong, about their adventures raising four kids under the age of four. That is an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for joining us. You know, this idea of learning how to disagree without being disagreeable is something we have to learn as adults, I think. Um, but especially sometimes as young people, especially in today's world, I think. So, Brother Holmes, when you speak around the world, you told us that you do something very interesting to let the youth ask you questions. Explain kind of what you do and some of the questions that you've received that really relate to what we're talking about today. So I think one of the things we want youth to get comfortable with and want all of us to get more comfortable with is asking questions. Sometimes questions seem confrontive to us mm-hmm. when they're very genuine from other people. And so one thing that I do to, to help youth get comfortable with that is as we, we do a fireside, we'll often do it as a, as a Q&A, much like the face-to-face events that you, you've seen broadcast. But in a, in a setting not prepared that way, I just write my phone number up on the board <laughs> and say this is the only time you can text in the chapel. But you can text questions in, and it gives them, it gives them an opportunity to, to be more in real voice. And, and if they are sensitive about things, and, and we get fabulous questions, and I often think they reflect questions they're getting asked sure. uh, from, from, from their friends. Oftentimes, we get a question about, what if I have an, in my own family a situation, with, situation, whatever it may be, with a same-gender attraction issue, and how do I deal with that effectively? How, and, how do I and, love that person? Yeah, and with this, this whole issue of, of loving without condoning, and, and how do, they're, they're very... They're dealing with those things constantly. Sometimes we'll get questions about historical things in the church that you know have either come from Internet or or peers uh, kind of asking them. I love that environment because it helps diffuse the the emotion of it. A, 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 one of our church historians told me recently, he said, you know, 90% of the, the conflicts we have with those who can be uh, opposed the church in some ways historically, 90% of the things they raise, we can agree with them on. Mm. They, they just aren't issues. Mm. And, and so often we get anxious about those things. And so it, I love doing that with the youth because they, they respond so well. And I think they get comfortable saying, this isn't a big deal. I can, I can respond in, in positive, non-confrontational ways to sincere questions. So I love the format. Me too. I think that's so great. Brittany, you had a personal story mm-hmm. of when you were the one who was different and felt different. And tell us about that, playing softball in college. 
So I went to a Catholic school back east, and um, I was one of six Mormons there. I was the only one on my softball team. And there was a lot of people that would that kept saying, "By the time you graduate, you are gonna be, you are gonna drink, you're gonna oh. have a beer, you're gonna do this." And and I was, I didn't want to be like, "No, I won't." But <laughs> it was more of a, "No, I, I'm good. Like I don't need to do that." And so a year went by, and a girl that would give me the hardest time would just was always like, "Why don't you drink? Why don't you do this?" Um, finally, one day she just sat down and she said, "You know what? I kind of wish I was like you." And I was like, you can be like, (laughs) you can stop, you can do all these other things. And it's not a huge, it's not, it might seem like a huge change, but it's just little things that you just have to change. And, and a little later on, I, we had to go to parties for like recruits when recruits would come, we had to be as a team and be there and kind of help them feel what it was like to be at school and and people would come and offer me a drink and people started answering for me. Oh no, no, she doesn't drink. She's <laughs> yeah. the Mormon girl. She doesn't drink. And so it was hard at first to stay strong to what I believed. Not, not so much hard, but it was, I kept getting the confrontation, but then later on people just were like, that's her. That's how she is. And so they understood and I wasn't throwing a tantrum or I wasn't saying, no, don't, don't treat me like this. But it was just patience, you know, just every single time being consistent and showing them, this is what I believe. This is what I, this is what I hold to because it's important to me. Yeah. And I think with, um, that confrontation that was happening kind of at the first, it would have been really easy for you to respond angrily mm-hmm. or in, but you chose to respond in a friendly way. It could have turned out much differently. Mm-hmm. It definitely could have. Brother Holmes, um, a lot of people can feel threatened by differences. So wherever you live, um, when you're in the majority, it's a little easier, you know, but when you're not, maybe a little more difficult. But you talked about through your experience as a mission president, what a great lesson that was for your family to see differences and, and learn to appreciate them. We, we had the blessing is really mostly associated with my career, kind of living on both coasts and and on the, in Texas and Denver. And so we kind of lived all around the country and got exposure to a lot of different things. Uh, but our three youngest kids didn't have that much experience. And then when I got called as a mission president to Detroit. And so we took four of our kids uh, to Detroit, and it was so fun. They had, we had been in, in, we had moved back to Utah for a time and then went to, to Michigan. And it was so fun to see them in a completely different environment. And, and, uh, my son, one story that strikes me is my son, both my sons have super naturally curly hair. It's like Afro, <laughs> but it's blonde. Yeah. And so we're down in a, in a little branch in Detroit and they don't have another person. My son goes up to help bless the sacrament and, and the, the black young man sitting next to him, the other priest sitting up there just kind of keeps glancing at him like this and finally says, cool hair. <laughs> and, and, and that, and then, you know, when you're sitting in those, in those settings and you'll hear a few hallelujahs out of the, out of the congregation, this is not, you know, Farmington, Utah. Mm-hmm. And, and it was so good for my kids. And if they had anywhere to choose to go to church in the mission, we had a, a diverse area, obviously they choose to go down to Detroit. 
because they, they loved the interaction and the, the feeling they had there. And, and really, I think, just appreciating and valuing the differences. And so much, I think, of this issue that you're, that you're, you're addressing here in this discussion relates to that. Mm-hmm. That we that we really see other people and value who they are as children of God, and and not put labels on them and not stereotype them and and stuff and and I I uh, so I love my my kids' reaction to that experience and and how it helped them I think in that fundamental issue just to see people as as children of God and and love them for who they are. And my family has has lived all around too, and that is a easy way to get that experience. But what for those people who, who live somewhere and they, they aren't going to get the chance to travel, How do you have any tips on how people can reach out from within their little bubble and and learn to appreciate the differences in others? I, I learned this from a good neighbor. In, uh, we were living in Dallas at the time, and we had a very young family. Not quite as many as you had, <laughs> so young, but we had two two little girls and and a neighbor, a good Christian neighbor, a couple doors down, came to me one day and he and he said, I, I worry he had slightly older kids, but not that old. And he said, I, I worry about my kids getting in this in this bubble and, and not really appreciating. And he said, So once a month I put them in the car and we drive to South Dallas. And and we drive around the area, and we stop at a convenience store, and we. And yeah. he, he was for people proactive. not familiar. South yeah. Dallas is um, lower income. There's a lot of crime in that area. Yeah, and it would be scary to some people. Yeah, and and that planted the seed in my in my mind, saying I've got to find ways to do that. No matter where we're living or what we're doing, you can find opportunities to expose yourself. I think I shared with you uh, a week ago. I was up in Winnipeg, Canada, on an assignment, and got to participate. There was a multi-stake youth conference and about 200 youth and about 90 refugee families got together to do this. The youth were doing a service project in a huge community garden they put in in the Winnipeg University up there. And it was such a great experience for these youth to interact with these refugee families and just get a feel for the reality of their life. And, mm-hmm. and this community garden is because they can't get any of the foods that they're used to eating in the stores there without paying exorbitant prices mm-hmm. for it. And, and understand it was, it was a delightful experience. Again, when we spent time with people, it's hard not to see the good in them and, and stuff. But so often we just pull back and don't engage in those ways. So yeah. that was another good example to me of, of if we if we understand each other, it's easy to love each other. Yeah, and sometimes it takes a little bit of work to find those opportunities, but when you do, it's so rewarding. Yeah. Brittany, at your school, it sounds like you found a way, um, like we were talking about, To you were in the minority, of course, mm-hmm. and you weren't confrontational. And how did you find that way to still respect those people and their differences while staying true to who you were. I think it, the biggest part is to know that whatever people's opinions are, that isn't the whole of them. That isn't, you know, they're automatically, that's it. They've got one trait and that's it. I think just remembering, okay, that's their position on that. Well, try and find a different way to, to appro- approach them or to relate to them on on a mission, you learn how to connect with people. You have to learn how to connect with them quick or else they're like, okay, I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I think by finding a different way to connect instead of, you know, going after the the topic that's controversial and finding something, you know, maybe they have kids and you can talk about kids or maybe they have 
had some other experience that you can relate to in their life. I think that is a huge part of that so that you're not shutting people out because of that one little trait, you know, if they're homosexual or if they um, just don't believe in God or anything like that, you just find a different way to talk to them and, and to connect with them. Find a commonality. Um, Brother Holmes, let's talk about how we can push back against the world. That's kind of a phrase we're familiar with. But I think another way of saying that is standing up for what you believe without being self-righteous. I think that that kind of goes into what you were talking about. But um, what about, let's take it into a little smaller circle. Maybe you have a non-believing spouse or maybe you have a child who is pushing back against the principles you've taught them you're going to have a disagreement, right? But how do we do that without being preachy and without being self-righteous? I, uh, I, I thought about this as, as Brittany was talking about her experience with the softball team and the interactions you've had there. I, th- I think that the issue um, really comes back to being true disciples. And, and disciples are characterized more than anything by love. And, and the first two great commandments that we, that we all know is the mark of real discipleship and how we treat other people. So, so it begins, I think, with just being real disciples. And, and whether that's a, a family thing, and, and oftentimes maybe that's more difficult in some ways because it's so emotional to us. There's mm-hmm. so much love or emotion involved that, that uh, it, it's almost more difficult. But if, if we're going to persuade others to come unto Christ— that's going to be really hard to do if we're hypocritical. Yeah. And, and so we have, to, we have to look at ourselves first, it seems to me like, and, and remove and strive to remove hypocrisy from our own life and be true followers of Jesus Christ. So the, the language from, from section 121 that says, you know, no power influence, only by persuasion and long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and love unfeigned and pure knowledge, those are attributes of disciples of Christ. And I think we, if, we, if we can, can seek those in our own lives so much more, then people see us. And I'm thinking, your softball team science said, she's <laughs> yeah. a good person. How can I, how can I you know, attack or mm-hmm. belittle or, or something? It's because, well, you're radiating Christ-like virtues and attributes. And so I think in family situations and things, that's even more important because in, in our homes— People see us like we really are, right? Yeah. You, might, you might say nice things about you know somebody, <laughs> but come live with me. Yeah, no <laughs> and, hiding. And, and yeah, then you can't hide anything. So it's it's probably in our homes more than any, anywhere that we need to strive to really. And I and I think one of the best things we can do is be really quick to apologize mm. when we when we lose it, when we blow up, when we that we're that we we are if if there's any Christ-like thing. It is, it is very quick to feel remorse, to sincerely and genuinely take responsibility for something we felt bad about. And that seems to be really hard to do because I'm in this emotion of... Mm-hmm. You of, have a little bit of pride. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you have this pride thing going and it's, and it's... And that's... But if we can learn to do that, think about that example then that that shows to somebody else about, look, I recognize I'm, I'm not what I want to be, but I'm trying to change and forgive me and... And do you think that makes their heart a little bit softer to to listen to what you've got to say and and feel sight? That's a little bit of some rambling. Yeah. I don't know that. No, helpful, and what a great that's, example that's the, for your children, for you to apologize to them when you lose it or when and and what you said. This is what I thought of 
what you're saying is focus a little more inward on how to purify ourselves, not focusing outward on the, exactly. the something someone you think is doing wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to quote Elder Oaks, who said that we have to show loving kindness and still be firm in the truth by foregoing actions that facilitate or seem to condone what we know to be wrong. That can be difficult. Um, how do you have any tips for us, Brittany, on how how we love someone without condoning wrongs that mm-hmm. they may be doing? I think just that's a hard one because the only the examples that come to my mind is uh, I had a really good friend that um, is homosexual, and she. It's just it's hard for me to every time I see her, I'm like, oh you were doing so good. And then, you know, something happened. And and I think the biggest point is to, like I said before, focus on the other things, you know, focus on the good that she does and focus on the good traits that she has. And, but, uh, but never say that you support that completely. You know what I mean? And I think that's the hardest part is to is when people are sinning, like I am sinning, you know, I have my own problems where I mess up and I mess up. And, and I think we can't look at people as just their sins. And we, my husband and I were talking about it. Um, we live in a smaller town. We just moved from kind of a suburb to a smaller town. And it seems like people have lived in this town for a very long time. And so everyone knows everything that's happened to them, like for years and years and years. And, and it's hard for people to, to forget their failures yeah. and to forget the, the wrongs that they did. Even though these people have repented, um, I think the most part is, like you said, loving people as Heavenly Father would. Loving people and remembering that He loves each one of us. It doesn't matter what we've done. He is always there and just wants to help us out. And so I think by remembering, okay, well, if Heavenly Father loves them, yeah. then... I need to do the best that I can to find a way to love them, you know, and, and it may take time. Sometimes people's, people's actions or people's, um, like sins, they rub you the wrong way or they affect your life. And it's hard to get rid of that. But I think forgiveness is the biggest part in, in helping you to love that person, no matter if they disagree with you on certain things. Brother Holmes, how about you? Let's let's think about parents specifically and how how can we more easily love our children without condoning things they're doing we don't agree with? Yeah. As, as parents, we know it's our responsibility to teach them to understand. That's scriptural, right? We yeah. it's our it's our responsibility and it sins upon us if we don't teach them to understand principles of faith in Christ and repentance and and, and can, so understanding is different than teaching. I, uh, I think it was Wilford Anderson, Elder Wilford Anderson, that, that spoke a few years ago in conference about, I think you'll remember this, about the, the music of the gospel. And we can teach dance steps, but if, we don't, if they don't hear the music, if they don't feel the music, this becomes really awkward. Mm-hmm. If I'm just dancing <laughs> and there's no music going, this is not a comfortable thing. And I think too often with our, it, it may be in our homes for, for a variety of reasons, we think just just teaching the steps, just the rules. And we, we develop checklists and, and think, okay, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. And, and those standards are clear. And we're expecting people to dance 
but they haven't felt the music in their hearts. So I think, I think in our homes, our our homes have to have to become symphonies where we're practicing. There's a, there's some bad notes and, <laughs> and some you know some squeaking going on <laughs> and different things. But but we've got to focus on our homes being places where we can feel the music of the gospel. Which is the spirit. It is a spirit. Yes. It's exactly what it is. And so if, if we can if if we can and that's the only way understanding comes. And so if if we if we want our kids to understand the doctrines and principles of the gospel, we've got to create a setting where that spirit is there because that's the only place understanding comes from. And and so I think as as we strive to do that um, we'll, we'll we'll start feeling the music, and then the dance feels a lot more natural, and and a lot more genuine, and and a misstep doesn't throw you completely off because the music pulls you back in and, and says you're all right. So I take that example too far, but I think I think that is parents. I, I a statement from President Packer that I love, and we used a ton in our mission and, and, and gained a great testimony of it over that time, where he said, true doctrine understood changes attitudes and behaviors. And understanding the doctrines of the gospel will change behavior quicker than talking about behavior will change behavior. Mm. And I find in, in my life... That's deep. Jerk, I have to think about that one for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, but if, if we understand it, it's, it's essentially, if we understand the doctrines of the gospel, it, that will drive behavior. If we can, if we can get that understanding into our hearts, it changes our behavior. Isn't that what the gospel is about? To change our hearts, mm-hmm. and our hearts are reflected in how we be- behave. So, so if we can get that in in into into hearts, then we don't have to focus so much on behavior. And my knee jerk reaction is, oh, there's a problem here. I need to fix the behavior. And if we back up and say, well, what doctrine, if they understood it, would help change that behavior? And and they're not our, our kids may not be open to to hearing a doctrine at a time, but we create a, a musical environment where we have opportunities not to condemn sin, not to talk about behavior, but to talk about the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ and what it's meant to us and how it's changed us and how it helped me in a particular problem I had this week. And that's just a, the natural water that's in the house, and they feel that and see it. We're not talking about their problem. We're just mm-hmm. trying to get the spirit to to plant these things in their heart and let it then drive behavior and and change the behavior. So that's that's one thing that I think is is uh, we we saw the power of that with our missionaries in a really profound way. And I I, I, th- I hope we've seen it in our family as well. Thank you so much. I really love that. I'm going to try to work on that in my house. Um, I volunteer in my ten year old's classroom quite often. And something that I've noticed with this political environment, I think we've all seen it online for sure, but um, it's caused a lot of divisiveness. And I think this is one area where we can all learn to be a little more civil when we talk about such things that that really uh, flow over into our value system a lot of times. But Brittany, you have little kids, but still, I hear things coming out of the mouths of my 10-year-old's friends that I know they didn't think of themselves, right? (laughs) And so how careful do we need to be in our own homes? Those kids are mimicking things we say. I think sometimes we think we can say whatever we want in our own home, and then we go out into the world and put on a civil face. Mm -hmm. But it's important in our homes, too. Oh, yeah. My (laughs) three-year-old, he he talks a lot older than he actually is. And so... And I think it's because we talk to him about a lot of different things. And so I think the, the most critical thing we can do is to communicate with our spouses, with our children, and, and to kind of get on the same page. Because 
if I'm talking to my husband and we're arguing all the time and stuff, my son sees that. And so when we're happy and we're, we're, you know, we're not always going to be happy, but when we are doing our best to figure out a situation and be civil about it and he under, he learns it and it's amazing what they learn when they watch. It doesn't matter how old they are, you know, even our little ones, they watch him. They watch our three-year-old like a hawk and they've already started to mimic things he does. And so I think it all starts with our example. It starts with us, how we react in certain situations where there are people that are being disagreeable or they are trying to kind of goad you into being angry. Mm -hmm. And so just doing our best to, to teach our kids and everything. And if, if you see someone out in the, in the store or a kid that's throwing a tantrum, I say, okay, is that what we do? Do we do (laughs) stuff like that? And everything can be a teaching moment for kids. And that is, I think the biggest way to, to teach them about people, about communities, about the society that is around us to, to help them learn. And I love what you said about how they try, you try to get your kids out into different areas, because I think when they get to know more people and more cultures, like I went to Boston and that was a total culture shock for me. (laughs) I'm from Utah, like totally You know, I was just like, Whoa, what's going on? And then serving a mission, I served a Spanish speaking mission. And so that was a culture change. And I was able to play softball in Europe and just people are amazing. And it doesn't matter where you're from or who, you know, where you were born or anything like that. We're all going to have disagreements, but we have to learn how to love each other. And I think sharing that with your family, sharing that with your neighbors, your friends will help a lot. One thing I thought was Brittany was talking there, President Irish used the phrase several times, show how is more important than tell how. And if that isn't important for everybody, it certainly is important for parents. And and what kids see your behavior behind those closed doors of the house becomes this critical thing. And so if we wanna if we want to to be true Christians, if we want to be civil, we better show how mm-hmm. to be civil. Mm-hmm. That means being true to people not in your presence. So in our homes, we, we better be showing how we want them to behave outside. If we're not a demonstration of that, then then what we say is not going to matter much because mm-hmm. what we do speaks so loud they, they won't hear it. Um, I, I, it made me think of bullying, you know, with, with this bullying epidemic that we have if we can kind of show our kids the example of how to treat people, how important that is. If we, we touched on this a little bit, but if something goes sour, whether you're start fighting with someone on Facebook or at church or wherever it may be, and things become uncivil, do you have any tips for us, Brittany, on how we, maybe I'll ask you this and I'll ask you a second question, but how do we, control ourselves? How do we control our temper and remind ourselves to keep the spirit with us at those times? I think the biggest part is to, when you feel that anger rising in you, to just take a breath, relax, you know, tell yourself, okay, calm down. It's not that big of a deal. It's not, you know, this is what I tell my children. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) It's, it's not the end of the world basically. And so if we, if we take a step back and we say, okay, Okay, clear my mind. Let's let's figure out what we need to do, and then do our best to just bear our testimony of what we believe in. Sometimes that helps a ton to just 
because it's really hard to, to debate a, t- a testimony when people are saying, I know this is true. I know. And it doesn't have to be, I know every time, but just stating what you believe and just, then people can say, okay, that's how she, that's where she stands on this topic, or that's where he stands on this topic. And then they can, you know, maybe hopefully you can kind of turn the discussion to a different area and not worry about, you know, them keep going. If they keep going to say, okay, I really don't want to talk about it right now. I'm, you know, we can talk about it another time or, and just kind of remove yourself from the situation mm-hmm. in a, in a kind way, as, as kind as you can make it. And if, if we weren't able to do that, Brother Holmes, and we lose it, you talked about forgiveness um, or, or apologizing in those cases, but how else can we bring the spirit back um, once something like that happens, either at home or at church or wherever it may happen? I think um, I think one thing is, is uh, particularly I've, I've got an ongoing correspondence going with a, with a former missionary who has who has been, become fairly critical and, and stuff and it's been it's actually been a delightful discussion but sometimes he he just tries to push buttons mm. and I try to sense in in that is this going to be a helpful dialogue here to engage. Or and sometimes I'll just say I just sense at this point in time this isn't going to be worth talking. We're not going to make any progress on this issue given the emotion on on both sides of, of this. So let's see if we can't pick it up another time. And you just remove take a breather. Re, just take okay. a breather. You know, go take some deep breaths. <laughs> and, and 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 done in a in a way that you're you're really trying to genuinely understand. I, I do want to understand you, and I do. The other thing I think I think you do is. Um, this, you know, we we often say, uh, quote Mormon, and say, pray with all the energy of heart to be filled with this love. Um, we that's that's real counsel. Yeah. You know, it it is not an easy it is not an easy bar when the Lord says, love your enemies, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That drives you to pray with all the energy of heart to be filled with the love of Christ, and so. We go away and and spend some decent time on our knees and pleading and praying and and knowing that that Christ can actually in this in this emotion of anger and pain can actually take that away. I mean that's an incredible thing, and 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 fill you with with love that sees past the the supposed offense or or whatever it is, and and you can feel and see as President Irene recently talked about. You can see him as God sees him. And so I think you back up. You're, you're always quick to repent. There's no better medicine than that. Brigham Young said, there's never been five minutes that I haven't been ready to lay on hands or give a blessing. I'll tell you the secret of this. I repent fast. Mm-hmm. As soon as I feel like I've done anything to offend the spirit, I repent. And and we need to be more willing to be that responsive to, boy, contention is of the devil. I clearly feel contentious here. What, who's who am I listening to? Who's at fault? And I and I need to I need to quickly repent. And I think it I think it softens a lot of of uh, animosity on the other side to be open to them and say, you know, I clearly I clearly let my emotions. I don't like to feel that way. Will you forgive me for for what I said or or what I did? And and in a lot of cases that does a lot to soften them. If it doesn't, it certainly puts your heart in a better place. Right to to do it. As we wrap up, um, this is all about how we can teach our kids. Um, of course, it works for us too, but how do we teach our kids to stand up for what they believe but still be civil? Parting tips for parents who are going to attempt to teach this to their kids. Brittany? I think 
just like what we've talked about is try to broaden their horizons, get them out, get them meeting other people of, of all different faiths, of all different, um, nationalities and just teach them, you know, these are good people. These are good people, you know, and, and talk to them about the doctrine of the gospel and talk to them about how heavenly father loves them. Each one of the people that they see so that they know, okay, I need to treat these people like heavenly father would want me to treat them. And I think that does a huge thing by just helping them feel the spirit when they meet other people. And when they know that, that heavenly father loves them. And I think that's something that a lot of youth struggle with is knowing that heavenly father loves them. And just knowing that, that if you do have an agreement with someone, it doesn't mean that they are the meanest person in the world, even though you might feel like it at that time, or it doesn't mean that they're the worst person in the world either. It, it just means that they, you need to find a different way to connect with them. You need to find that connection. And I think we can do that with our kids too. You know, if we're just like we were talking about the potty training thing, if we're butting heads about potty training, (laughs) let's find a different way to figure out what is the real problem. What is the real behavior that we need to, the real doctrine we need to teach to change behavior? Brother Holmes, your tips for parents as we try to teach our kids this concept. I wish I had my kids here. I think they'd do better at this than, <laughs> than I would. Because um, we, we, we've, we are blessed with unbelievable six kids that have, have just been fabulous. And I'm not... I'm not sure that it's anything we've done, quite frankly. <laughs> but I, one thing I would say, on, uh, tips, is create an open environment in your home where you can have kind of the candid, open conversations about issues so they're comfortable with them. If, if they're confronted with something, whether it's a whether it's an attack on the church or a, a moral principle that they're wrestling with and it was challenged in school and, you know, a, a young man that's the only person in his class that's, that raised his hand that he's against abortion and mm. they're all picking on him to come, you know, over to the other side. If, if they can bring that, if they're comfortable bringing those kind of discussion and exchanges into the home and say, mom and dad, around the dinner table or whatever, in these informal conversations, that you're talking about those kind of things. You don't just shut them down for bringing it up. No, you yeah. you, you throw fertilizer on those. <laughs> I mean, you, those are the kind of things you want to encourage and say, we'd love to talk about that. We'd much rather, you'd much rather have that discussion in, in your environment than just in that classroom and say, well, what do you think about this? And how would you respond to that? And and, and so those, I, if there was a tip, I'd say get real comfortable with with your children having gospel-centered but very practical discussions about what they're facing and what they're feeling and what they're seeing. And a lot of times that's you. You, you can start that discussion by, boy, I saw online this, this attack today. How would you respond yeah. to that? Mm-hmm. And what would, what would you say about that? And, how would you, and, and those, are, those are great opportunities to, to let your kids learn and, and I guess kind of in the in the process of that fill the music of the gospel because it always comes back to truth and and truths that you've felt and have have been written on your heart by the power of the spirit and so that comes out in natural ways in those discussions and so I, I don't know if that's much of a tip, but I, I hope that might help somebody. I think so. I think you're telling us to listen to the Spirit to well, bring it I into think, our homes. I think that going along with that, when we 
have the open dialogue, they can come to us with anything. And um, we had a lesson in Relief Society and Priesthood combined one time. And a a guy was talking to us about, talk to your kids about everything. Even if you feel uncomfortable about it, they need to know that they can come to you. Because you would rather have them come to you as the source of knowledge than go to their friends and get something that might be a little skewed from what you want them to be understanding of it. Thank you so much both of you for being here today. We appreciate Brother Douglas D. Holmes, First Counselor in the Young Men General Presidency, being here today, and also to Brittany Mills, who blogs on her website, Marriage and Family Strong. We've been discussing how to stand up for your beliefs without being disagreeable. Thank you so much for joining us. Gospel Solutions for Families on the Mormon Channel. Subscribe to the podcast on mormonchannel.org, the Mormon Channel app, or on iTunes.